Hey everybody, welcome to Win Your Health with Dr. Ryan Sowsley and my lovely wife and co-host, Dr. Aaron. Hello. This is the show where we talk about the most common health issues that people face today and give you natural and practical solutions to help you win your health and win at life. So today we are talking all about kids' health, and this is a topic that's near and dear to us just because you know we have four kids of our own. Our kids are eight, six, three, and nine months. And so we, you know, we've spent a lot of time, you know, investigating what it takes to raise healthy kids. And also, you know, being clinicians, we're both chiropractors, but we're also both certified functional medicine practitioners. You know, we, we see a ton of kids. In fact, 30% of our practice is pediatric. And it's just because, um, you know, healthy kids equal healthy adults. And so our, our mission is to create health from the inside out. And the unfortunate reality is that that's just not what we're seeing in terms of health trends for kids in America today. That's right. And we take this so seriously because, you know, it's not just about, you know, raising healthy people, you know, that is important, but you know, you look at our kids and these are our future. These, these kids are going to become adults and you look at all the unrest that's happening um, in our country, especially right now, and I look at these these kids that we see in our practice, you know, our own children, you know, these are the people that are going to protect equality and protect peace. And, you know, we want to make sure that we're, we're just pouring into them during the short period of time that we have with them. So we do, we take this very seriously as parents and as practitioners. Yeah. And if you look at health stats in America today, um, you know, it's it's kind of alarming. I mean, they're putting, according to the American Academy of Pediatrics, you know, they're actually encouraging increased cholesterol screening for kids as early as eight years old, and then and then they're recommending medication. You know, that that's the solution. Kids that kid, they're finding high cholesterol levels in kids that are eight, and usually it's because of lifestyle, you know, nutrition, lack of activity. But uh, you know, the solution, and this is where where I really have a problem, is the solution is not. Well, let's let's teach these kids how to be healthy. Let's teach them how to exercise more, how to you know eat the right foods and associate healthy foods with a healthy body and energy and vitality. Instead, it's just you know put your kid on this medication. I mean, they're giving statins even to kids as early as eight years old, according to the New England Journal of Medicine. Uh, you know, they did this study and they looked at over two hundred kids that were autopsied after being involved in a fatal accident, and a really high percentage of them already had coronary placking or, or placking in their coronary arteries, you know, as, as early as uh, two years old. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. You know, if you look at some of these other statistics, one out of six kids now have a developmental disorder in America. One out of six. Autism rates are now one in 55 in boys and about one in 75 in girls. One out of 408 children will be diagnosed with cancer by, by 15. You know, the frequency of autoimmune diseases like uh, rheumatoid arthritis, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, you know, basically where the, the body attacks itself, you know, the, the, the prevalence or the frequency of those things happening in kids is higher than ever before in history. And life expectancy for the third year in a row, third year in a row has actually gone down. And it just, it boggles my mind because... You know, we, we live in the United States. We have the best medicine, supposedly. We have the best doctors, the best medical schools, the, you know, the, the best high-tech equipment. And, you know, and yet these, these health numbers, these outcomes continue to get worse every year. You know, and, and as a parent, I think there's two mistakes that people make. I think the mistake that people make is, you know, they either think, well, this is, it's not going to happen to my kid. You know, it's not going to happen to my kid, and uh, my kid's healthy, and kids are kids. You know, you can you can feed your kids Fruit Loops every day, 
and uh, let them watch TV and, and they'll, they'll be just fine, you know, because they're kids, they're resilient. We'll worry about their health when they're older or we'll, we'll worry about their health once they have a problem. You know, that's what the rest of America is doing. That's what adults do. And you can obviously see what that's doing to the health of our population. That's not, that's not the right way to think about it. The second mistake that people make is thinking that it's just all based on genetics, you know, that, that uh, you know, your health outcome is based on your genes. You can't do anything about it. If everyone in your family has type 2 diabetes, your kid's going to have it too, so why even try, you know, or heart disease or cancer or high cholesterol. You know, that's, that's, it's not true. You know, it's the wrong way to think about it, but it's also just not true. The genes are not, your genes are not your destiny or your future family's destiny. You know, 70 to 90% of disease is related to lifestyle and environment. And so the truth is that if you, you know, if you focus on changing your lifestyle, you focus on eating the right foods, you know, detoxifying your body or avoiding toxic uh, chemicals from personal care products and cleaners and soaps and detergents and those types of things. You know, you get adequate exercise, you keep a healthy mindset and reduce uh, unnecessary stress and you maintain a healthy spine and nervous system. You know, research shows that if you do those things on a regular basis, you, you can achieve optimal health, even, even if the majority of people in your family are not healthy, you know? So here's the thing with genes. Someone had to start the trend, but someone also has the opportunity to end the trend or change the trend as well. So uh, it's, it's, your genes are not your destiny, your lifestyle and your environment, environment are. So I wanna switch gears and talk about the immune system for a few minutes. You know, I don't think the immune system has ever been more appreciated than during the time that we're in right now, um, at least in our generation. And I think people are now starting to make the connection between the integrity of their immune systems and um, the the quality of their lifestyle. And so, you know, you know, you can't go on social media without having an ad pop up for some immune boosting supplement. You know, this is how uh, you know, prevalent this is right now for people just like seeking information. And this could never be more true for children. And so we look at the, our immune system and we compare the immune systems of children today versus say 20 or 30 years ago. And what we're seeing is kind of a flip-flop. You know, parents used to be decades ago worried more about communicable diseases um, for which, you know, vaccines were developed now we're looking at okay we're not as concerned about those maybe because they've gone away or whatever it is um, but now we're seeing a significant rise in our children in, in this children's generation in type 1 diabetes asthma allergies hay fever allergic dermatitis eczema food allergies are huge and then um, gut issues like celiac disease, Crohn's, ulcerative colitis, and we're also seeing a rise in pediatric cancer. So you look at the, this, you know, these two comparisons between generations, and these are conditions that you know we never used to see in children decades ago. And you know when we did our our kids webinar the other day, which I highly encourage you to go and watch, we kind of showed you a graphic of how brilliant and complex the immune system is and how there are two components to the immune system, the innate immune system, which involves your first and second lines of defense. So when your child or you come in contact with a pathogen, whether it's a bacteria or a virus, um, we have physical barriers like our skin, our mucous membranes, our hair, um, chemical barriers like sweat, tears, saliva, 
stomach acid. So these things are our first line of defense. And then we get into our second line of defense. And we've got all these special cells that work to, you know, keep pathogens at bay. And then if an antigen or pathogen gets through to our blood, you know, then we have our adaptive immune system that takes over. We're talking about our lymphocytes, our T cells, our B cells, our natural killer cells. So you can just, you can kind of get the point that our immune system is so very complex. And we touched on childhood vaccinations and we talked about, you know, if you're looking at a vaccine as, as a sort of, you know, immunotherapy, we're trying to stimulate the immune system in some way so that perhaps the body can, you know, overcome a, a, a pathogen if it's ever exposed to it again. And what I pointed out is that vaccines work on a very small component of our immune system. And there, you know, we look at it as altering the, the body's immune system um, to achieve a certain desired result. And because it only acts on such a small portion of the immune system, then lifelong immunity is never achieved in, in immunizations. And this is because we're kind of bypassing those first, second, even third lines of defense, um, going straight into the blood. And we're also, along with that, introducing metals, we're introducing adjuvants into a child's bloodstream that we were never really um, designed to combat, you know, without going through those first lines of defense. So yes, we've seen a rise in um, adverse reactions to vaccines as the number of recommended vaccines has exponentially increased over the last couple of decades. Um, and I want to touch on the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act of 1986, because I don't think a lot of parents fully understand um, kind of what has, has played out in terms of vaccinations. And so in 1986, um, what was passed was basically legal immunity for vaccine manufacturers. What was happening was they were having, um, you know, litigation from people that were having injuries after a vaccination. And they came, the vaccine manufacturers came to the government, said, hey, you know, our, our supplies are threatened because of, you know, litigation against us. What can you do for us? And so what the government did is that they said that no vaccine manufacturer is going to be liable in a civil action for damages that come from a vaccine-related injury or death. Um, so this was kind of a big deal because not only one did that indirectly um, show us that the government was admitting that, you know, there were injuries and deaths coming from vaccines. But now these these uh, companies no longer had legal obligation to anybody that was taking their vaccines. So that, that became very scary. Um, you know, we look at data. So now there's a government database that tracks serious adverse reactions. Um, it's called VAERS, V-A-E-R-S. And technically, you know, your pediatrician or, you know, even yourself is supposed to go to this database and, you know, file a, a claim if you ever have a, an adverse reaction. But it's very underreported. A lot of people don't even realize. And sometimes they're not even validated by their doctor that, you know, the, the symptom that they had after the vaccine was actually an adverse reaction. So this is, you know, it's, it's hard because they're underreported. But just to give you an idea, between 1991 and 2001, there was a CDC report that came out um, based on the data during that decade from VAERS. And they found that approximately one in 100,000 um, people had a risk of severe adverse reaction um, after having a, a vaccine. And that could 
That could be, you know, something as simple as, you know, a really brief reaction to even at the other end. Sorry, I've got my nine-month-old on my lap here and she wants to talk. <laughs> um, but that could even be as, as significant as death or, you know, lifelong disability. Um, fast forward to 2009, so now we've got greater reporting. People are actually, you know, especially with the, you know, introduction of the internet, people having access to VAERS data. Now we're seeing that adverse events may be even as high as 15% um, for people, which is a much greater number than it was the previous decade. So just to give you an idea, <clears throat> listen, guys, I'm not here to say vaccines are bad. That's not what I'm, that's not what I'm here to say. I do think that parents have a right to know that there is a risk. And where there is risk, there must be choice. Yeah, so we're going to talk about how to create health from the inside out because that's that's where true health and healing come from. Health never comes from the outside in. Health can never come from a vaccine. Health can't come from a pill or a potion or a lotion. Definitely not from a medication. And we want to talk about how to create health from the inside out, how to create healthy kids because that's the thing. You know, when we talk about mindset, that's one of our essentials in our clinic of the five that we teach and preach our patients. Um, you know, when it comes to mindset in raising healthy kids is that healthy kids equal healthy adults. And if you flip that around and reverse it, healthy adults equal healthy kids. And what that means is children are great imitators. So the thing is, if you want your kids or your grandkids to be healthy, they have to, they have to have something to imitate. And if they're, if, if they can't imitate you, who are they going to imitate? You know, it's definitely not people on TV or social media or commercials, you've got to give them something to aspire to. And so in order to create healthy kids, you yourself have to be healthy, you know? And, and the other thing is when it, when it comes time to do something about your health, you know, and, and our kids deal with this stuff, just like everybody else's, you know, they have fevers or they get the cold or they have the flu or whatever the case may be. But when it comes to mindset, you know, you have to stop and think about what, what is your perception of what's happening inside that child's body? You know, let's take a fever. For example, is a fever a good thing or a bad thing? Well, we all now know now, and especially with the coronavirus thing that's happening right now, we all know that fevers are good things. Why is that? It's because, you know, bacteria, viruses, bugs, they can't, they can't survive in elevated temperatures. And so your body is just innately smart, innately intelligent. And we know that when your body has a fever, it's because it's trying to do something good for you. So the worst thing that we could do is take a medication or a, you know, over the counter or even a supplement or a homeopathic that, you know, reduces the fever from the outside in. You're, you're essentially working against your body's innate intelligence. And so I think when it comes to, you know, mindset, the most important thing uh, when thinking about how to, how to keep your kids healthy or how to get your kids healthy if they're sick is to think about, you know, what is their body doing and why is it doing that? If they have a fever, why? If they're sweating, why? If they have a cough, why? If they're throwing up or have diarrhea, you know, why is the body doing that? And it's always doing that because it's trying to, it's trying to protect and preserve the body. It's trying to, uh, you know, manifest that innate intelligence to create health from the inside out. The next thing we're going to talk about is exercise, you know, and you don't, you don't need us to convince you that exercise is important. However, you know, if you look at statistics, it's, it's pretty alarming. You know, when I was a kid, uh, I say it like it was, you know, a thousand years ago, I'm only 38, but when I was a kid, even, you know, we, we, 
played all day long. You know, we went, we came home from school, we went outside and we played in the backyard or we played in the neighborhood. You know, we, we played capture the flag or, or tag or hide and go seek or kick the can or whatever the case is, you know, flag football or two hand touch. Nowadays, you know, kids come home and they, they watch TV or they play video games. I mean, according to statistics, one, only one out of three kids are physically active every day. Only one out of three. Less than 5% of adults, and again, kids are great imitators, so they're doing what their parents see them doing. Less than 5% of adults participate in 30 minutes of physical activity a day. And that's why over 80% of adolescents don't meet the physical activity guidelines for our youth. You know, the average child spends seven and a half hours a day in front of a screen. And one third of high school students play at least three hours of video games per day. And, you know, that's why... One out of chi- one out of five children uh, are and adolescents are either ob- uh, overweight or obese. And so the the thing is that you know you want to obviously we want to stay active. We want to keep our kids he- healthy and active. But again, kids will only do what they see you doing. And the thing is, you got to make it fun. You know, it's not like you take your kids to the gym and put them on a treadmill for an hour a day. You know, have fun with it. With our kids, we do like family CrossFit style workouts. You know, we, we put a bunch of workout stuff in our garage. So we kind of have like a home gym. We could just walk out the back of our house and go into our garage and spend 20 or 30 minutes just messing around and we make it fun. So we don't, we don't ever force our kids to work out, but if we make it fun, they're going to want to do it. And this goes for adults too. If you hate working out, guess what? You're never going to work out. So the idea is do something active every single day. And we know that by doing that, not only in kids does it stimulate neurological function, that's why kids that exercise more often are typically smarter and get better grades than kids that don't, uh, or compared to kids that watch more TV or play more video games. It's because, like the old saying goes, you know, like our, our, my parents used to say all the time, you know, don't watch TV too much TV because it'll rot your brain. Well, now the science actually supports that, and we have evidence that says that that's totally true. You know, when you spend a bunch of time in front of a screen all day long, it literally ruins the neurology in your brain and it can stunt your growth. So the idea is that, you know, again, you don't have to make your kids go to the gym or do CrossFit every day, but they should be getting some level of activity on a regular basis. So looking at food, so nutrition is probably the biggest, uh, you know, questions that I get from parents. Um, and when it comes to your kids, you know what, if you're starting a a journey towards health as your kids are already like, maybe they're toddlers, maybe they're, you know, four to seven, maybe they're even teenagers, you know, there's never a time where it's too late to start implementing these things for your kids. But probably if you're wait, if you've waited, you know, they're going to be maybe some picky eaters that you're dealing with and it's totally, um, you can totally overcome that. Um, but the problem is that if you don't, we've, you know, you're setting your child up for, um, some issues down the road with food addictions, sugar addiction, um, that becomes very, very hard to break when you're an adult. Um, so the importance of this is because one, um, what we eat directly determines, you know, the health and, um, the integrity of our microbiome. So this is like the, the bacteria that actually works synergistically with our cells and our cellular reactions to give us, you know, proper digestion, but also a healthy immune system, healthy brain function. So the microbiome is, is overlooked, I think far too often, but we destroy our microbiome with C-sections because we're not giving newborns that 
probiotic gulp as they go through the birth canal. We ruin it with antibiotics and we can get that either directly from antibiotics that are given to the child or if you're eating conventional meat or dairy products, those animals were exposed to antibiotics, then we get exposed to them. Um, and then as I said, processed or inflammatory food. So the, the microbiome is critical. Um, I think, you know, no matter where you're at in your nutrition journey, you should definitely be um, supplementing with a probiotic. And this is absolutely true for children. The research tells us, you know, within the last five years or so that it's quality and diversity over quantity. So what that means is you want to make sure you're getting enough strains of the healthy probiotics um, and not just a lot of one good strain, if that makes sense. So our Max Kids probiotics powder, I love it. This is what I feel confident giving my own children and I'm recommending to our pediatric base. Uh, the Max Kids Probiotics Powder has 10 different strains of the, the best probiotics that have been studied to be beneficial for children. So I, I have yet to find another product on the market that checks all those boxes for me as a clinician, but also as a parent. Um, so highly recommended. Um, we talked about in our Max Kids webinar, we talked about kids' lunches. Um, you know, when you're sending them to school, you don't have as much control over what they're eating. Um, but we really just want to minimize the amount of processed food that we're sending with them. Um, so like Lunchables, chips, desserts, drinks, you know, all of these things are loaded with um, sugar. They're loaded with um, trans fats. So when you're packing your kid's lunch, you want to make sure that you, you know, you pack a quality protein. If it's a lunch meat, make sure there aren't any nitrates or nitrites in the, in the lunch meat. You can look on the ingredients list to figure that out. Quality carbs. So we're talking about like vegetables, fruits, good fats. So we, our kids love avocado, coconut flakes, raw nuts and seeds. And then don't send them to school with pop or soda or fruit juice. Send them with water. You know, get a stainless steel water bottle, make it fun for them, send them, send them to school with water. That's what they drink. It's a great way to cut down on sugar. Um, when it comes to, you know, feeding your family at home, just have a plan. We talked about this on the webinar. Highly encourage you to go back and watch it. But, you know, make a meal plan. Get your kids involved. Set the meals that you're going to make. You know, do that on, say, Sunday. Go to the grocery store one time just for those ingredients. You know, include the snacks that you're going to have throughout the week. And then you're going to save money that way. And you're also going to set yourself up for success when you have a plan. Um, some people even do their meal prep on, on Sunday. And that, you know, if you're a working parent, that's a great way to, you know, have convenience throughout the week so that you're not stopping by the McDonald's drive-thru because you don't have a plan. You can cook and freeze. Um, that's a great way, you know, just to be prepared. Grow your own food. Show your kids, you know, where food actually comes from. We just um, did about four raised beds in our yard, and our kids are super fascinated by planting seeds, growing seeds, and then eating those foods. So that's a great way to get kids involved and stay connected to their food. So I also get asked by parents, you know, what what supplements should I be giving my kids? Are Flintstone vitamins, you know, sufficient for what they need? And I will say this, we have seen a rise in malnourished, undernourished kids in the United States of America over the last decade or so with the standard American diet. And usually when you say those terms, malnourished, undernourished, you know, automatically your, your brain, if you're in my generation, goes to images of, you know, little kids in Africa who have those swollen bellies and they're, they look like they're starving. You know, that's kind of our idea of what malnourished and undernourished 
looks like. But in in America, you know, now it's looking like obesity. You know, we're, we have adequate calories maybe, but they're not quality calories, and we're deficient in a lot of our in a lot of these nutrients. So ideally, kids are getting nutrients from the food that they're eating, living food, um, getting away from the standard American diet. But because our soils are depleted and because it's really hard to get, you know, local organic produce year round, um, I think it's still critical for kids to be taking a quality multivitamin. Our Max Kids multivitamin um, checks all the boxes for me as a, as a clinician and as a parent um, so that I know that I know that I know that my kids are, are not missing out on critical nutrients that are important for their growing bodies. So getting a quality whole food multivitamin that doesn't have sweetener in it that's going to be harmful to their health. So our, our Max Kids multivitamin is sweetened with stevia. Um, and it has, uh, you know, no artificial colors or flavors in it whatsoever. And that's something you have to watch out for with kids' vitamins these days. The other uh, supplement that I highly recommend for, for kids um, is an omega, a quality omega supplement, because omega is basically the food for, for their brains. It's these quality fats that are essential for their brains, for their, for their cells, um, and you want to watch out for the source because, you know, if we're talking about fish oil, you don't want it to be coming from fish that are, you know, farmed or in the Atlantic where they're going to be exposed to a lot of toxins that bioaccumulate and then get into our children. Um, and then, so so that's one. But then the one that we have, Max Kids Omega, also is infused with vitamin D3. And we know that vitamin D is absolutely critical for our immune function. So this has never been more important now. But if you were to get your child tested for their vitamin D levels, you know, what would you find? Um, in Idaho, we only see the sun for maybe three months out of the year if we're lucky. And being exposed enough with, you know, over 50% of our body exposed to the sun with enough time during the day, that's just not happening. So we're seeing a big deficiency in children that are getting tested. It's very inexpensive to get your kids tested. I highly recommend you do it every year. Um, but most kids need to be on some level of vitamin D supplement. 2,500 IUs is the recommended amount. Um, and so that's what our kids are getting in this Max Kids Omega and D3 supplement. So switching gears, talking about toxicity, um, you know, toxicity is a problem. Um, it's, it's nearly impossible to avoid, avoid toxins that are in our environment. You know, as you can live as clean as you want. Maybe if you're off-grid in Alaska, maybe you're avoiding most of these toxins. But for the rest of us, we're exposed to them no matter what. Um, you know, through, whether it's through prescription drugs, um, commercial chemicals, and this is a big one, chemicals added to our food supply. So we're talking about frankenfood, GMOs. Um, 10,000 plus chemicals are used in food processing, preserving, and storage. So the EPA estimates that our homes are now five to 100 times more toxic than outdoor air because of the cleaning products that we're using, whether maybe it's even radon gas that's naturally occurring. Um, the FDA has approved 3,000 food additives, preservatives, and colorings. Uh, and I know that the average person ingests between 140, 150 pounds of additives every single year. So guys, we are toxic as a culture and it's showing up in our kids. There was a study um, put out by the Environmental Working Group in 2012 called 10 Americans. They looked at 10 babies in utero, um, looked at the cord blood, were looking for chemicals in the cord blood. And on average, 287 
chemicals were found in the umbilical cord blood. Um, so an average of 200 per baby. And this is just mind blowing. And what this study tells us is that we are all toxic. These are kids who never ever set foot on the earth. They're safe in their mama's womb and still exposed to over 200 chemicals just through the blood. So the point again, we are all toxic. I think it's, it's prudent for parents to have their kids on some sort of a supplement that's going to help their bodies naturally detoxify from those things that we cannot avoid. And so again, this is the probably I think the last supplement I'm going to talk about today that it's the Max Kids Detox Powder. You can sprinkle that um, you know, over yogurt, you can put it in a smoothie. Um, and it really just has those whole food components that are going to aid their body in binding to those toxins and then safely eliminating them. It's a gentle formula. It's not going to cause them a lot of upset stomachs the way some of these detox protocols do. Um, but I think it's, it's critical for people to be, to be aware of this. Yeah, we have parents all the time. In fact, I had just a, a couple of different families ask me this week <clears throat> about putting their kids on the detox powder and, you know, how do we know if they need it and how often and all that kind of stuff. And you know, like you said, Dr. Aaron, the reality is we all we all need it, our kids included, because according to the study, you know, kids are being born toxic from what they're getting through their mom. And so it's not a question of if you're toxic. It's really a question of how, you know, how much and what do we do about it? And so, you know, for our kids, we give our kids the detox powder, you know, at least three or four times a year. And there's even seasons where We'll give it to them pretty much nonstop, just every day for uh, a long, an extended season. But I would say, you know, some of the some of the signs or symptoms that you you know definitely need to do this for your child would be any kind of behavioral disorder or condition. You know, like if they're if they're just acting out or they're you know exhibiting signs of ADD or ADHD. Those are those are you know really uh, big warning signs that there's some neurotoxicity that could potentially be happening. I would also say with digestive issues or skin issues. So if your child is experiencing <clears throat> diarrhea or constipation, constipation is more common, but diarrhea too, um, gastric distress, you know stomach pains, um, food allergies is a big one too. So if your if your child's allergic to a lot of different foods or has reactions. And especially if those reactions show up as a skin condition, whether it's a rash or bumps or itchiness. Um, so those are, those are some of the signs, but again, you know, we, we give our kids a detox, uh, at least three or four times a year, just, be, just to be preventative. Um, last thing that we're going to talk about is core chiropractic and as chiropractors, you know, this is one of our favorite topics just because it's what we do all day long. We help people achieve, you know, better health through better alignment. And, you know, when, when people hear, that we adjust kids, you know, a lot of people think, you know, that's crazy. You know, you're, you're popping and cracking a little baby's spine. Like, is that good for them? The truth is that that's, that's actually not what we do. That's not pediatric chiropractic. You know, chiropractic has many, many different forms. And really the ultimate goal of chiropractic is not to pop your back. You know, I mean, you, you can have your, your neighbor, or your brother do that for you. That's not chiropractic. In fact, the popping in the spine really represents very little in terms of you know how it's benefiting your body. The popping is just gas being released from the, the joint capsules. It's, it's the realigning of the spine that creates optimal function in the nervous system to remove interference, which then equals you know better better function and optimal health in the body. And you know misalignments. So then the other question is, well, why would my why would my child need to be adjusted? Why would they need chiropractic? Well, interference um, in the spine and nervous system can happen from 
you know, uh, being in the womb from delivery, from C-section. I mean, there's a, these are the most common things, C-section delivery, forceps, vacuum extraction. And even once they're out in the world, you know, car seats, carriers, bouncers, walkers, swings, bumbo seats, you know, these, these things put um, unnecessary or undue stress on the spine. And we know that because the spine is what protects the central nervous system, just like your skull protects your brain, if your spine's not in alignment, it's not back pain, neck pain, and headaches that ensues, although those things do manifest. It's it's neurological interference, you know, because every every cell, tissue, and organ in your body is controlled by nerves that are connected to your spinal cord. You know, I mean the, the pathway is your brain, we all know this. Your brain controls everything. Your brain tells your heart to beat and your lungs to breathe and your immune system to work and everything else. But the way that the brain does that is by sending signals like electricity down your spinal cord and then out the nerves. And those nerves are just like the wires in a building, you know, for the lights to work or the washer or the dryer or the whatever, you know, electricity has to be able to get through the system. And if there's interference in that system or that circuit, you know, the appliances on the other end are not going to work. And that's exactly what happens when your spine becomes subluxated or misaligned. And again, these misalignments can happen from birth, they can happen during birth, they can happen after birth, and they can even even happen in the womb. And this is one of the most fascinating concepts that we've you know learned about over the last 10 years is this this uh, theory or this concept called intrauterine constraint. And all that means is you know when a mom is pregnant, she's carrying a baby, her her pelvis and her womb you know become distorted in terms of shape because she is subluxated or because she has you know biomechanical deficits, and it changes the shape of the area that the baby has to you know grow and develop in which is the womb and so this intrauterine constraint changes the shape of the womb which can then um, distort the, the the shape of the baby's spine so basically mom's subluxations create baby's subluxations and uh, it's it's really interesting and there's actually uh, a medical doctor in uh, in Germany named Gutman, Dr. Gutman, and he looked at over 1,500 babies who had just been born, and he found that over 90% of them, and, and this was regardless of how they were born. It wasn't just, you know, traumatic birth. It was, you know, normal at-home vaginal delivery with a midwife even, and he found that over 90% of babies that were tested had cervical strain sprain or misalignments in their upper cervical neck, and the things that those can manifest into are some of the most common things that that uh, parents deal with with their newborn babies, like inability to latch, favoring one side. Like if your if your child always wants to nurse on the right breast but not the left, or vice versa, um, that's a sign. You know, reflux. I mean, I, I think reflux is one of the most common things um, that's uh, that shows up in babies. And in my experience, you know, the the prevalence of babies that have reflux is exponentially higher now than it was even just five years ago. And my, my mind always goes to the question, why? What's the underlying cause? What's behind the increase in reflux? What's behind the increase in autism? What's behind the increase in autoimmune disorders in kids? What's behind the increase in, you know, the increase in childhood cancer, childhood obesity, childhood heart disease or high cholesterol, placking in the coronary arteries? There's always an underlying cause. And really, that's what we're after. We're getting after, we're going after the underlying cause. And it just makes sense because the nervous system is what runs and controls every cell, tissue, and organ in your body, listen, if that system is not healthy, if there's an interference in that system, things aren't going to work right no matter how well you eat, no matter what supplements you take, no matter how much detox you do, um, because it's you still haven't fixed the underlying cause. You know, it's like if, if, there's a, if there's a short in the wiring system that's feeding energy to the light bulb and I go in and I change the light bulb or maybe I, you know, change the switch or I switch out all this stuff, 
it, it's not going to matter until I remove the interference, right? So, um, you know, benefits of pediatric chiropractic are probably obvious, but most, most kids don't have musculoskeletal issues like joint pain or headaches or back pain or neck issues. Um, a lot of times it's for things like colic, you know, or bedwetting or asthma or chronic ear infections or allergies. And we've seen hundreds of kids over the years in our clinic really, really benefit from chiropractic. And one of my favorite quotes, and I'll just, uh, you know, sum it up with this. One of my favorite quotes is from Dr. James Chestnut. And he says, the only way, because really what we're doing is we're, you know, we're creating this, this contrast or there is that we're identifying a con, we're not creating it. It's identifying this contrast between you know, the current medical model and kind of the standard American way of life versus this holistic model or this vitalistic model. And, you know, what people would maybe refer to as an alternative way of life, which I'm not sure what's alternative to eating healthy and exercising, getting adjusted. But nonetheless, Dr. James Chestnut says, the only way to produce homeostasis and health, the only way is to decrease the chronic stress response by either reducing the stressors in your life or improving the body's ability to adapt to those stressors. Drugs do neither. Chiropractic practice correctly can do both. You know, there's a there's a story of two twin twin brothers that came into our office a few years ago. They're six years old when we first saw them, and uh, they both. Uh, you know, obviously they both had the same parents. They both got the same medical care. They both ate the same foods. They both got the same vaccines even. Um, and one regressed into autism. The other one didn't. And so the parents were perplexed, you know, why did it happen to this, this child and and not to the other child? Well, when we brought, we, you know, when they first came in the office, that's the first thing we did is we looked, we took x-rays, we looked at their spine and alignment and the health of the nervous system because all the other variables were the exact same. And the child that did not have autism had a, had perfect alignment or near perfect alignment in his spine the child that had autism had severe subluxation or misalignment in his neck which interestingly enough is the most neurologically dense and the most vi- uh, valuable or um, important area of the nervous system outside of the brain and so what i'm not saying is that i'm not saying that a bad spine causes autism i'm not saying it caused autism in this child what i am saying is that subluxations interfere with your body's ability to adapt to its environment right when you get vaccinated your body has to adapt to that stressor when you have when you eat toxic food your body has to adapt to that stressor when you sit and watch tv for too long or play video games your body has to adapt to that stressor so how come some people can get away with it and some people can't it's because of the difference in your body's ability to adapt to its environment. You know, and so that's why our opinion is that you should get your child checked for subluxation at birth and then regularly get them checked at least every six to 12 months just to make sure that their spine is healthy. You know, we already do that with our teeth anyway, right? I mean, every every parent on the planet, or at least in America, right? As soon as our kids have teeth, we take them to the dentist. And then every six to 12 months for the rest of their life, they get their teeth checked. Why? Because we don't want to get cavities. We know that if you get a small cavity and you don't do anything about it or you don't catch it early enough, it turns into a big cavity. And a big cavity turns into a big problem that's expensive, it's painful, and it's not something that anybody wants to deal with. That's great. But the reality is, it's just teeth. You know, we take better care of our teeth than we do our spine and nervous system. And really, it's just for a lack of knowledge. It's not because people don't care. It's just because they don't know. And that's why we're talking about it. So to sum all this up and wrap it up for today, you know, we're talking about max kids, you know, healthy kids from A to Z. We want to see your kids and our kids be as healthy as they could possibly be. Because like you said, Dr. Aaron, 
you know, every child has a purpose. We all have purpose, and you can't serve your purpose if you're sick, suffering, or dead. Thanks for spending some time with us today. If you enjoyed listening to the show, the greatest compliment you could give is to share this episode with others and review our podcast in iTunes if you haven't done so already. When you share and review our episodes, it helps us reach more people and keep our content relevant to listeners just like you. We read every single review and love to hear how our show has impacted you. Thanks again. Now go out there and win your health.